Uloki season one is in the books. We are here to recap, review, deep dive episode six, the season one finale. And I can say season one finale because we know there will be a season two of Loki. So spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you've uh, made it this far, Tim Kelly and I are going to go through everything that happened in Loki episode six, scene by scene. We're going to do some big picture thoughts at the beginning. We'll talk about, you know, Previous things that happened in other episodes How this ties into other previous Marvel, MCU, movies, TV shows Future projects So we will hit on a little bit of everything Just an overall spoiler warning And uh, we finish off the show And we bring in our buddy once again Tim Kelly who's been with us to recap Every episode of every Disney Plus show So far So uh, I guess the first question I'll ask you TK Three Disney Plus TV shows In the books now For Marvel, for the MCU Of those three Where does Loki stack up for you? Easy, easy answer It's number one uh, and I, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I remember I asked you that kind of midway through, and, and I think we both agreed that it was in the lead there. But the fact that it stuck the landing so well, yes, uh, it it was just payoffs left and right. And then, yeah, like you said, we get a second season to boot. So I'm I'm pretty thrilled about that. And what was so great about this season of TV is, um, we enjoyed. I sure enjoyed WandaVision I thought it was it's so interesting and incredible What they were doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier It was a little more straightforward But I, I, I liked it a lot If you're going to stack them and rank them I probably found more things I could nitpick Into Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, WandaVision was very out there So maybe it wouldn't have hit for everyone the, What makes Loki really important um, Even if you didn't necessarily love it As much of the as the other two shows Is that it really feels like this is going. This is a show that has and um, has introduced these huge new ideas. The entire multiverse now dimensions really showing us what time travel is. We've introduced a new big bad that we can expect to see in a bunch of movies and TV shows moving forward. It just felt like this was more important. I want to say. Than the other two shows as far as like what's to come and this entire world. Yeah, it was impactful for sure. Yes. I would say important, impactful. Um, and that was a thing that uh, I was questioning kind of going into this series with the other series, right. especially Falcon uh, and Winter Soldier, which felt very kind of contained and. Um, you know, we had our own issues with how that was maybe It was kind of like a closure series, right? You're still kind of going backwards before you can kind of put a bow on it and move forward That's sort of what a lot of phase four was This kind of felt like the first time you're not only going back and revisiting our old friends But you're really moving forward Yeah, it set the stage for tons of things to come I mean, it really uh, is a reset point in a lot of ways and a, a genesis point for Really, everything that they're planning to do coming up, I could see it tying into literally every single Marvel property. And that's a question also I was kind of thinking about, like, what what properties coming up are going to be immune to uh, its effects or, or, or are going to kind yes. of ignore the effects? Is, are, is Shang-Chi going to play with this at all? Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what about the other things that are coming up? Uh, obviously, Spider-Man and, and WandaVision and Ant-Man or sorry, uh, Spider-Man and um, Doctor Strange, uh, Doctor Strange and Ant-Man are going to. Tie into this, or it would seem so. But uh, yeah, what about the rest of the MCU? Probably there's a show, What If, coming up too, which is like literally 
it, it, like follows this sort of template Like what if things happen just a little bit differently There's a scene where like Killmonger saves Tony Stark And then just like how things were to branch off differently If if something diff- slightly different happens So um, yeah that might be involved with, with that moving forward We know that there's going to be a season 2 of Loki Which they're saying is probably going to end up Maybe leading into Ant-Man and uh, so I think like late 2022, maybe early 2023, because I, I think Ant-Man and Quantumania is is pegged for like February 23, I think, or, around there. So, um, yeah. yeah, we knew uh, that Kang was supposed to be the villain in that and that they yep. had cast Jonathan Majors already yep. for that. So, and so when he showed up on the screen, when those doors yep. opened and he showed up, I smiled. I bet you a lot of people were were doing the stand up. Like if this would have been the theaters, they would have stood up right there and cheered because we were like everybody was waiting for this reveal. Yeah, it w- it was fantastic, and uh, you know it's cool. These Disney Plus shows. I'm thinking even uh, Mandalorian this year the, in the in the season finale, they they brought a big character to really yeah. wow people and really change the game. So uh, yeah, it was it was a very pleasant surprise. A lot of people called it in one way or another. Um, we've been saying the word uh, the name Kang for for a while, and yeah, it turns out this is a, a variant of Kang the Conqueror. And in very like Feige way, he brings in Kang. He but he's he's Kang, and he's also he who remains. Now in the comics, they are two separate people. He who remains was basically the person who set up the TVA. And he was kind of like like this nicest variant of uh, of Kang, uh, but he he was even more of like a kinder figure, not necessarily as much of like an evil figure. Um, but they've they've kind of done what they've done in a lot of these movies and shows is where they've they've either combined ideas or taken a little bit from here, taken a little bit from here, and this is what you get. He never even says throughout the episode the actual word. Kang at any point right. but he Makes reference to being a conqueror In one of his former Variants and and uh, yeah This is no doubt him and I gotta say We, we were there already um, And it, in a show where You have Tom Hiddleston Being just incredible Sophia DiMartino Unbelievable Owen Wilson hilarious We saw Richard E. Grant like Ravonna uh, Renslayer who's played By uh, Gugu Mbatha-Ra She is Phenomenal she was in um, the morning Show and she's just become like really big And kind of hot the last couple years she's Very buzzy as an actress in a lot of big stuff I gotta say man Majors just Jumped off the screen this entire Episode he stole This freaking episode This show and moving Forward I am so interested In seeing him back on my screen again TK he was A psychopath but Like like a, a love, you just he was so magnetic. You couldn't take your eyes off him. And and the craziest part about all of it is he didn't even have much to do. It was all exposition, almost everything we saw from him, and he's just sitting at a desk. But the way even the way he moves around the desk, he goes from sitting to standing. He kind of walks at Loki and Sylvie. Then he kind of sits on the desk in front of them, and then he's kind of t- turns his back to he he just he's Constantly moving and he's like a fidgety And you just He stole it man He was incredible Super eccentric in a very entertaining Kind of way Um, I heard uh, comparisons to Willy Wonka In terms of 
you know, performance, the, the overall energy, and even just the dynamic of the offer that gets made. The Joker, uh, I heard a couple too. Yeah. You know, like I could see like a Jim Carrey Joker even, you know, like that was a movie, the Batman, that move, that Batman movie was one that didn't get very great reviews, but Jim Carrey as the Joker actually got pretty good reviews. Everybody thought he was one that kind of stole it every time he was on the screen. It kind of reminded me of this, like he's crazy, but he's, he's so smart and you don't know if he's manipulating you, if he's lying to you, is he telling you the truth? You just have no clue. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you, you, yeah, you really can't tell if he's being upfront or sincere, <laughs> or if he's got some other agenda. But uh, there's a there's a point later on, I believe. Um, we'll, he, we'll get to it later. But when he when he when he crosses the threshold, I thought that that was a oh, yeah. moment. That was the, like his Emmy moment right there. Like, he flips. That he he goes from out. being this guy that's like. Oozing confidence you know because he Knows the way everything's gonna play out so of course Like when you know the end of the story When you know what's gonna happen It's yeah. a small tangent when I was working At uh, at Islands um, This used to be back when the Laker games Would be simulcast when they were Playing on the road so like if the Lakers Were playing on the east coast or something um, And the, the game would start normally At like 7 eastern 4 pacific The game wouldn't start on KCAL 9 until 5 o'clock because of like news and local stuff that they had So you, if you were listening on the radio Or like watching on the computer or something You could tell that the Lakers game had already started And it was like an hour late from when they would start the broadcast So I, w- I went in one time to work And one of my buddies was there And he didn't know the game had started And it was, it was just coming on So I bet him that the, I, I was like I bet you the Lakers are going to be down by 20 at halftime He was like what? I said, yeah. I said exactly 20 you know, like not 18, not 22, like exactly 20. And if they're not down by 20 exactly, like you win. It's like, of course I'm going to take that bet. What are you t- 20 exactly? You know how impossible that is? <laughs> of course I knew they were down by 20 exactly, but it was funny. It just reminded just rem- You can be so confident when you know what's coming, right? Man, you got a little <laughs> in you, man. You're, 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 <laughs> but, but what's great is that, you know, when it happened, we were watching the game and he's like, no way, you know, as he's seeing it like happen and, and it's like, it's getting to 16 and then to 18 and then it's 20 and then it stops and it's half time and he can't believe it. He like walks over to me with the $20 bills and I started laughing. I was like, no, no, dude, I told him what I did. And it was just, and I told a few other people on the staff and we were watching him and laughing at him. It was just more fun to play the joke. So maybe even I was even more Loki cause I didn't even want the money. I was just messing with him. Glorious purpose. <laughs> as uh, as uh, yeah, this, I mean, you mentioned this a little before what made this show versus the other shows. And one thing that Marvel has had a problem with, even with a lot of their movies that and their projects that have been very well received is it's t- it's tough to end them because everything is such a continuous story. You yeah. want to make sure that each kind of movie or show has a nice Finish to it sort of an end So that way if somebody watches That thing stand alone it makes sense But you also yeah. Want to be able to like Start to tease future Things you want to have storylines that Continue on it's a tightrope That you have to walk and so They've not necessarily Hit a home run with the way they've Closed everything out I thought This show did A very great job In that because you feel at the end like I'm like gasping, like getting in tears, watching Loki cry as he gets pushed back into the TVA. But then yeah. you see that he 
has this new like a mission now. Everything's changed. Mobius doesn't know who he is. This felt like it gave me somewhat of a conclusion that I liked, but also teased moving forward. We know there's a season two. We know this is going to connect to other projects. I thought it did as well as it could have it with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it uh, answered many, many of the questions that were raised. Uh, so we got some resolution there. But it also brought up all these new challenges and problems and, and reset the story in a way. We're going to be back to square one uh, in a sense, but things are going to be different this time. So I, I, I love that idea. I love that we're going to get to uh, retrace our steps a, a little bit. Uh, we're going to get to have a little bit of a groundhog uh, season almost uh, in season two. But I I, um, I think that the way that it affects the greater MCU is what's so awesome about this because they did do such a great self-contained story for Loki. They gave yep. him such a great arc, but they also, you know, branched out into the entire MCU and created all these uh, bridges there uh, and these starting points for new stories. So they, everything they really is on play. And now everything is on the table in a good and bad way, right? Yeah. Everything, everyone can be brought back. Everything, everyone. We can instantly, if, and I don't think they'll do this, because uh, they even said, like with the Black Widow movie, spoiler alert, Tim and I are going to talk about that movie later this week, but I, you know, they didn't want to lean on, you know, necessarily the Captain America's and the uh, Iron Man's and some of the the old guys that are the major Avengers. And I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if we're gonna see, you know, you know, Stark brought back to life or Cap in back in the picture in big ways. And I think the whole point of Phase Four and moving on is was to introduce these new characters and and have us get behind them. And that's the point of. WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and 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 these shows, but if they wanted to, they could. You know, like it, it's an option. Everything's an option. Wanda finding your kids, the X Men now. Yeah. Um, you know, any way they want to bring anything in to the mix. We talked about Blade, vampires, all this stuff. There's an avenue to bring everything in now with this multiverse. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. All the seeding that they've done in these series with these new characters that they're introducing and these new storylines, when we see those on the big screen as well, that's just going to pop that much more. Oh, yeah. we have that history behind it and these characters are already beloved. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, – it's going to make for some really interesting and cool moments in the theater. So we know we've got a new big bad villain, Jonathan Majors, he who remains king, a bunch of different variants. We'll see him moving forward. Um, a question that we want to ask uh, about Loki too, after where we see him at the end of this episode is, how is he going to respond? Loki just, Loki just went all in. This is it's like a you know when you're a guy, and a lot of times you're in a relationship with a girl, like you're growing up, you're younger. They tell you they want you to to let your guard down. They want you to go all in. They want you to be emotional with them and be sensitive. And, and so many guys, or maybe girls or partners or whoever, you know, it's just always been like a guy stereotype through the years that they don't want to do that. They don't want to let themselves in. They don't want to let their guard down. They're afraid of getting hurt. And that's exactly what Loki his whole life has been. He's been really an ass. You know, he's been a manipulator, the god of mischief, but he's never really connected. And in this show, he connects with two people, one on a like romantic, emotional level, and one as a really good friend that 
you know, friend is is discussed. And by the end of this episode, he doesn't have either one of them. His heart has been broken. The person who he was on this like mission with doesn't even know who he is and doesn't even know like about the Loki variants. I wonder where he's going to be when we catch up with him again mentally. Where where Loki's going to be, man. Yeah, he's going to be in a bad a bad place because, like you said, he opened himself up for the first time ever, <laughs> right? And, uh, and he paid the price for it, you know. In, in in both cases, the good thing is uh, is that he has that knowledge that he can he can make a friendship with Mobius, right? Yes, so that that's a that, great point. That tether right there. So he knows that Mobius is is there and a good guy, and he's just got to kind of. Uh, reconnect to him and, and now it'll be almost like a role reversal because now Loki knows more than Mobius so he'll be kind of telling Mobius all about like what the yes. real deal is in the universe and uh, Mobius will be kind of having his own awakening I'm thinking um, 51st Dates with Adam Sandler you seen that? You seen, you seen that? Every single day, he's got to like retell her the story of how they fell in love. He puts the video on, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, sort of, sort of what Loki's gonna have to do here. He's gonna have to play that role to uh, to tell Mobius everything that they've been through, and uh, and try to get him uh, on the same wavelength. So really setting up the t- using the TV shows now to set up the uh, the future movies, future projects. Ravona Renslayer, big mm. big question still around her. We ask, you know, what's her motivation? She keeps just she she keeps talking about the cause. There had to be some reason. There has to be something more than this. And then when we we find out, obviously, we see her when she was a, a principal in her in previous life before she comes to the TVA before she's a, a variant. And then last we see, she leaves and she walks through a, a portal and she says she's going to find free will. So the interesting thing about uh, Ravona is. Is just how much and all of her ties to Kang the Conqueror in the comics, and it'll be really interesting to see how big, what kind of way they're going to use that connection there. Because, like we said, we never know. We can't ever just use the complet the the comics as a template, which is great. We don't want to be able to go look and and see and just know how everything is going to be. But I'm very curious. Um, she was like Kang's love interest. Is there something there where she scorned him and now she was kind of trapped and and like having to be this this person who doesn't really know, uh, you know, like kind of doing the bidding of Kang? Um, so yeah, and is she someone that's going to eventually be good and make the full, you know, circle? She kind of teased three or four different times throughout the episode that she was about to have her. Like her good yeah. guy turn, her baby face turn, and then she'd make the heel turn back and forth. She's just been a tweener in in my wrestling world over and over. So, what what do you think? And uh, and and what are some of your thoughts about the way they portrayed uh, Ravona and throughout, and then in this final episode? I actually have the most questions about her character. She's just so hard to pin down. Yep. Um, I'm right there with you. I I I I don't know whether she's gonna go <laughs> uh, heel or baby face like you were saying. Um, and she is tied to Kang in the in the comics, so she's going to play a large role. But yeah, I do get that vibe that she's going to be an anti-hero uh, at some point down the line. Uh, I think when you when you ride this uh, the edge like this for so long, 
they always kind of steer toward the good in the end, I think. Yep. So I, yeah. uh, that's kind of where she's leading to. She's just somebody who is a zealot. So she's she believes in something and she's very tied to that. And in a way that that, that can be a very good thing. That can be like a noble quality to have. Um, it can be a virtue. But um, it can also lead you down very dark paths. And I think that that's what we've kind of seen from her right now. She's, she's so tied to um, her purpose in life that she can't, uh, she can't let go of that. But then I also am very confused in a way about that pen. That pen right. raised a lot of questions for me because was she aware of that? That was her own trophy. So she mm-hmm. knew that she experienced all along. That's, that, that's, that's part that really trips me. It's very um, uh, power broker. Still, right? Like at the end, I'm still asking so many questions about this. Is she a double agent, yeah. a triple agent? Like, what is she? What is what's go- right? Like, what's going on here? I think she might be double crossed herself, and she doesn't even re- know who she is at, the, at this point, you know. But um, and that's a great example too of kind of what I was thinking. Where when you have those tweeners, they you kind of get the feeling they're gonna go eventually. Good. Yeah, they'll there's, just break bad a little bit, but then they'll get back to good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I mentioned um, Jonathan Majors, but really have to again. If, if you didn't like some of the storylines throughout some of these shows, or maybe you you didn't like some of the writing in the script, or I don't know whatever it is, I don't think you can pinpoint one actor in any of these shows, and heck, even Black Widow that I was just watching earlier, and and really say that like they gave a mail it in performance. Or that they weren't excellent in their role And I mean from Hiddleston to Sophia DiMartino To Owen Wilson to Jonathan Majors To Richard E. Grant To freaking Alligator Loki And Miss Minutes it's, <laughs> You know Gugu yeah. Madara All were Just phenomenal in this show Absolutely uh, You could say that about The whole MCU I, I would say I, I think so too they, they they cast these uh, movies and uh, television shows so well. I can't think of one where I'm like, nah, that was a, that was a, and, a bad fit. And then uh, they I, write to fit the personality too, right? They make everything a little bit fun. They have some. They won't. They're not afraid of making fun of themselves. They don't take anything too seriously, even in the most serious of moments. And so it feels like you can. I just get a feeling that these writers when they have so, Oh you know what like it's uh, Evans Or it's Hemsworth or whoever it is like They kind of figure out a little bit about that person They write things that same that come out a little true To their voice like when Loki says stuff It just like you feel like oh yeah that's a Hiddleston thing there were so many like Owen Wilson-y Lines you know that Mobius Said that were like oh that's a They know that Owen Wilson's gonna hit that, uh, that uh, They just they put people in places To succeed too Yeah Definitely. Uh, they, they know how to place people in the right roles at the right time uh, and, and play to their strengths for sure. And I love it when uh, writers and this happens a lot with TV, but like when there's a character writers will, or an actor playing a character, writers will start writing to that. But I, I read an anecdote recently about Black Widow uh, that Florence Pooh has this great line or this great kind of like recurring joke where she's kind of making fun of. Uh, 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 the pose, Natasha. the pose, yeah. right? And the pose, yes, yes. And apparently, that was uh, something that she was just doing uh, behind the scenes a little bit. And they kind added of it in, yeah. 
film and it ended up being one of the most memorable parts so i thought that was really cool so i guess they're doing that all the time which is uh, i i think great that's how you get really human real uh natural and authentic uh moments on film you know from improvisations and you know writing for like real people like that absolutely and, and especially in this sense right like these people aren't playing like i mean and they're doing serious and they're doing like powerful we talk about think about the range that they've had to show in some of these tv shows and stuff but we're not talking about somebody like doing a like a a piece like a war piece or something that's like really really serious where it has to be done this particular way they can have fun with these things and they have and that's what's so great with them like they don't feel like like Hunker down to have to it has to be this way or it has to be rigid. And that's sometimes where um Warner Brothers has gotten into a little bit of trouble where they've tried to be too serious. I think s- some of the things that I love the most about the the uh, the Batman movies with with Bale were, you know, he was serious, but he would still be funny too. You know, you can't be so serious like you can you have to have some humor. And this was just such a great show, such a great combination. I thought they did a fantastic job putting everything together, and we will get into our uh, deep dive, scene by scene, of the final episode of Loki. So we'll hit on a, a bunch of other stuff as we get into it. But the way this episode started, TK, we get the like the MCU opening, and we're getting these sounds and noises. Um, as it leads right into the Marvel Studios title with the Loki colors, and then we're like traveling through the solar system, and we get these big lines from Marvel characters and from big MCU movies. We get Sam and Black Panther and Ant Man and Thor and uh, Captain America and. Uh, 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 Captain Marvel, Loki, Kong, uh, Kong. Then all of a sudden, we hear a baby Loki crying. So it's like we're going through this trip through space. We're seeing wormholes, incredible visuals of these blues, these purples. As we hear, you know, all these different voices. We're seeing time and multiple timelines, and then we see a big ring around where uh, Sylvie and Loki are headed. It, it looks like. You know the ring around a planet would look And it's the sacred timeline And uh, Sylvie and Loki stand Outside the citadel And then the Loki title comes up We hear the baby Loki Crying and then we get First it's the Marvel characters And then we get all of these Like real people throughout history We get Alan Watts Who's a philosopher We think time. We think of time as a One way motion Neil Armstrong One small step for man Now we're moving like out of the galaxy Greta Thunberg um, You know Right activist Nelson Mandela goes through We actually hear classic Loki Glorious purpose And then uh, we get vision What is grief if not love Persevering Maya Angelou I will rise I mean This these little montages, they kind of give you goosebumps. They do these things really well. And when you, you know, you hear it and watch it, it goes by really quick. But like in, in recapping it and kind of stopping and doing my notes, it's just 
it's really, really amazing how many little feet, like extra features they put into everything. Yeah, the details are tremendous, and the scope is massive for this. It immediately sets that stage uh, where you're uh, in a state of wonder, I think. Uh, it's just uh, the production value also absolutely uh, blew me away. And it, it sets that tone right away that, oh, we're going big. This is the finale. It's big time here. And it, it almost um, – goes against what we end up getting here we get really high stakes and everything but we, we get brought into you know almost just a room yeah with a guy for like most that. of the episode yeah but yeah. but still it still feels big and sweeping and uh and grand in scope so they get to the door of the citadel and it looks incredible like think about all the sort of like evil castle Kind of places you've ever seen This has got a very Lord of the Ringsy feel It's got a uh, it, it sort of looks like um, The the place in Mortal Kombat too. The first one uh, Like a, one of the big towers where like Goro is And the, the caves and, um, and Sylvie gets to the door And she says aren't you going to tell me not to kick the door in <laughs> And he uh, Loki said it never made a difference And she says well if you think it's a bad idea I prefer you to speak your mind And he says no nothing to say and she says that'll be a first She's stalling You know it's like this reminds me of of A scene in a movie when you see somebody Going to like reconnect with their family For the first time or their mom or their dad Who they haven't seen forever A, f- a parent that left them And like they want to go talk to them They want to go approach them They know it's what they have to do Because this is what their whole life has been building to But then they get there and it's like Oh it's now She She needs a few yeah. seconds and she literally says that like Hey, you know what? I need a second to get my head straight. Yeah, her whole life's been building to this. Like, literally, that's been her one glorious purpose. And the stakes couldn't be higher for her personally. So they have the the funny little back and forth here where, um, you know, Loki's just, hey, no, I'm not. I'm not saying anything here You know he's a, it's just you normally want to And she's like shut up shut up I was pruned before you even existed I've been waiting my whole life for this I just need a second to get my head straight And she takes a deep breath She gets ready And uh, and the doors open And then Sylvia and Loki They walk in They look around and it's just dark Inside of a castle It almost you know this place I couldn't think of it until right now It, it reminds me of like the Beauty and the Beast castle like the dark, mm. the dark parts of it, you know, because it's very, it's like, uh, it's in, in when you get into the, like the chambers and then the, like his office, uh, he who remains office, it's very like old and dungy, but it's, it's like a nice place that was once a nice place. It's big, it's grand, it's just dark and dreary. And there's an old little library and books all around. It kind of looks almost like an old like, museum. Kind of place inside of it Yeah it's got Go ahead it's got cathedral Kind of a look to it as well I love the windows on it um, Which almost form like a face Behind uh, In the eventual room that we get to There's like this uh, face almost behind um, uh, He who remains But I I also love The the design here Uh, They use something that's similar to uh, Kintsugi I think it's called and it's a Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces uh, back together with gold. Um, so you see in the structure all these like cracks that seem to be like fused with this like glowing yes. gold. 
look to it. And that that's also seen on um, his futuristic, uh, he who remains futuristic kind of temp head. He's got this advanced that design that like cracking. And I think that's really cool. It's almost like representing the age of the place that it's been blown apart, that it's been rotting or falling apart, but then, you know, repaired uh, that maybe it survived some type of a battle uh, but that it's it's also almost bursting or glowing with this energy. It, it, it emanates power as well. And I just thought that was a really cool uh, little detail that they added there. Yeah, and almost like the timeline too, sort of like getting ready to branch, getting ready to split, like almost sort of like breaking and cracking off, and he's trying to keep it all together in that one circle. Um, so yeah, he's contained, keeping it all contained. That's a perfect metaphor, yeah. They they kind of like tiptoe around and they're looking around because it's quiet, it's dark, and then all of a sudden, hey y'all, howdy, howdy, ho! It's Miss Minutes. She <laughs> scares the shit out of me, man. And every like I just jumped because you're just following Loki and Sylvie as they look around, and you're kind of like your eyes are kind of their eyes as they're looking up and looking around, and then boom, it's Miss Minutes. She just pops up right in front of you and. And uh, yeah. Sylvie says, you again. And she says, welcome to the Citadel at the end of time. Congratulations. Y'all had an awfully long journey to get here. He's impressed. They asked, who's impressed? He who remains. And who is he? Important here from Miss Minutes. He created all and he controls all at the end it is only he who remains and he wants to offer you all a deal he's been making a few creative adjustments and he's worked it out so we can reinsert both of you all back into the timeline in a way that won't disrupt things sylvie asks won't disrupt things she says "Mm mm-hmm the tva can keep doing its vital work and you all can live the lives you've always wanted loki asks what what lives have we always wanted Now don't play coy with me You know how you got into this mess The battle of New York silly You versus those self-righteous Avengers How would you like to win But not just there You can kill Thanos You want the infinity gauntlet Yours The throne of Asgard No problem And she turns to Sylvie What about you Missy All those years on the run Desperate alone how would you like to wake up tomorrow with just a lifetime of happy memories? I mean, Tim, this is literally the devil <laughs> tempting you but, here. 100%. Yeah. There's even um, a little bit later we see when we're introduced to He Who Remains, he's holding an apple in yep. his hand. The forbidden <laughs> like fruit. Knowledge, you know. And there's so much Adam and Eve feel with these two, right? Like going into yeah. this place, they're like exploring. It's like they're the – they're trying to be like the creators really of this new world. There's a lot of Adam and Eve parallels for these two. Oh, absolutely. Loki's Adam and Sophie's Eve in, in this scenario right here, even down to like the ultimate decisions that they, they make here. It's like Sylvie's the one that wants to, to bite the apple. Absolutely. Uh, and Loki wants to kind of do the, the, what's for the greater good, even down to like, they're a, like Sylvie is a part of Loki. She's a variant of his. She was literally like taken and made from him, sort of, you know. So, uh, yeah, a lot, lot of uh, similarities. Okay, yeah, so Miss Minutes goes on here. Um, two Lokis in the same place. And Loki asks, so both of us together on the timeline? 
She says it's crazy, but he could make it work. All of it, everything, exactly the way you've always wanted, and you can have it all together. And so Loki's really taking this in. Could you imagine if you're Loki? This is every single thing you've ever wanted. And this, in in just a moment, in a sentence, she's offered it to you. All, right here. And he's seen the scope of the power of the TVA and everything. He he knows that, that this is probably possible. He just has, doesn't know if he can trust Miss Minutes. And that's sort of where Sylvie is, is she's kind of really thinking about it. She and she looks like she's gonna cry, uh, and she does like a great job all throughout. Really, because this is her life's journey. She's here. What is next? What is she going to do? What is she supposed to do? This is what she's built everything towards. You get to this point, and it's like you're waiting for the climax here. And so she's like, like overwhelmed with with emotion all throughout this episode as she's you know taking this all in, figuring it all out. But she responds, Tim, it's fiction. Loki says, we write our own destiny now. Miss Minutes says, oh, sure you do. Good luck with that. And she disappears. So they don't take the bait. They don't bite the apple there. It's just a little bit later when um, Sylvie has to kind of stray. But they, uh, I guess it's like one of the first temptations that they, uh, they, they were able to turn down here. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, I think just because Loki's already gone through the whole process of seeing the Infinity Stones and how they're worthless and just seeing that it's all been kind of a ruse, like the throne of Asgard, all that stuff that he wanted before, it's meaningless to him now. Yes. Uh, because the real power point. is what's in front of him right now anyway. Yes. Um, so it, everything that he cared about before is just meaningless, and uh, that doesn't really have the weight that it did. Although you, I, you still see it on his face mm-hmm. that he's tempted, and he, it, he's almost overwhelmed in this moment by this this offer because it is everything he ever wanted. So we go back to the TVA, and Ravona is in her office as her temp pad is downloading information, and Miss Minutes pops up. Hey there! So I th- this was kind of important, um, at least early on. Um, Because Miss Minutes um, says sorry Some things had to get worked out But I'm downloading the files you need now Because Ravona said what took you so long So we One we got a a little bit of information here That Miss Minutes can't be in two places at once You know which She went literally from one place to here That's why she was late She was over at the Citadel With with Loki and with Sylvie So for a lot of people who's kind of I um you know, thoughts were Miss Minutes was maybe a, the big bad, or that she was really something here. I, um, I kind of got the feeling here right away. Okay, you know, especially when Miss Minutes popped up at the very beginning, it was like, oh crap, Miss Minutes. That was like the first thing you yeah. see when they walk in the Citadel. It was like, oh my gosh, people were right. It was Miss Minutes, and then you know, you find out quickly that it, and it's not her. Um, but she is, uh, telling Ravona that. Uh, Yeah, some things worked out. I'm downloading the files you need. Ravona says, this isn't what I asked for. Miss Minutes responds, I know, but he thinks this will be more useful. Important here as Ravona asks, who? So she doesn't know, or at least that's what we see here, that she doesn't know. Miss Minutes says, happy reading, and then Miss Minutes leaves. So just a quick check in with Ravona, but they just love to throw us off of her scent in like every scene that she's in because 
here now you're kind of feeling a little bit for her. You're going, okay, she's just like you said, sort of a a zealot, but she's she's a soldier that's obviously getting lied to. She's just trying to do her job. She's been you know loyal and faithful to this place for a while, and she doesn't even know who she's being loyal and faithful to. So you kind of you kind of feel a little empathetic for her here. Yeah, she's kind of rudderless right now. She, yes. she you know she she's had this purpose all throughout, but then you know the rug's been pulled out from under her, uh, and so she's searching to kind of re, regain that stability uh, and and uh, forward momentum, sort of. So she she wants answers at this point and that's really all that she needs but i think that the dynamic here with miss minutes coming in and kind of just laying this information at her kind of it kind of clues us in that there that kang is probably going to have a connection with her down the line i mm-hmm. think that makes it more obvious like she's going to start working for kang in somewhere some variant of kang or in yeah. this case it's who remains uh so i do think that she She's still on the fence at this point, uh, and a lot of that is because she just doesn't know what's going on fully. Business is about to pick up. We head back to the Citadel. Sylvie and Loki are slowly kind of walking through still. They're kind of creeping around. They're looking all over. They're looking for clues. They're looking for he who remains, as Loki says. He who remains, and they kind of look for him, and Sylvie says, not for much longer. And they're looking around uh, a room that kind of dusty statues and structures all over, almost like a museum, very dark and dingy. And then the door opens, and boom, it's Jonathan Majors just sitting there, and he's got a big grin on his face. He pops up, and he has an apple, and he just steals this freaking show. He's so insane, like a split personality. He chuckles. He says, this is wild. The two of you, same person? I mean, it's a little unnatural, but wow, wild. And he's just bouncing off the screen. Sylvie says, he who remains? He starts chewing on the apple. Uh, He answers, she still calls me that? It's creepy, right? But I like it. Come on, let's talk in my office. Not what you were expecting, huh? As they get in an elevator. And Loki says, you're just a man. And I'll I'll refer to him as Kang or he who remains both uh, uh, He says mm, Flesh and blood Don't tell me I'm a disappointment And Sylvie says No Just a little bit easier to kill So she lunges at him Trying to stab him But remember he He can time travel He's got the time twister device He's wearing it like a watch So he's a step ahead of her He's bouncing all around as she tries to lunge at him He's always one step ahead of her And he's kind of laughing As uh, as she's frustrated and grunting and, and tried to figure it out And he's bouncing all around And now the elevator doors open And, and there he is Now he's out front of the elevator the, the thing that you notice about him from the beginning and I'm glad that you pinpointed early on in the episode, uh, early on when we started our recap, the moment in the episode when everything he knows runs out yeah. and, he, and he flips. Because right here, he's so confident because he knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. He's got the time twister device. He can bounce all around. He's chewing his apple. I even thought it was interest. It's like interesting because in the elevator, he totally just stands back to them. He's not worried at all. Like he leaves himself wide open to be 
stabbed or you know whatever because he knows he can always get ahead of them. He just he's oozing confidence, and, and then that that confidence flips in a little bit. But man, he jumps off and and now they uh, they exit the elevator and they go into his little office here. So our first interaction to him, Tim, he's just magnetic. Absolutely, um, and I thought interesting. So many scenes in elevators. Uh, I, I wonder what I know. what the metaphor or purpose for that is. But you know, that was a big aspect of the TVA, and now we have elevators here as well. I wonder what the significance of that is. Maybe the idea that there's different levels stacked on top of each other and that represents you know the multiverse uh, in a way. But um, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, he is absolutely magnetic, and I think one cool thing about the way he plays it is that. Uh, he plays it kind of bored, like he's bored with what happens because he's he's uh, he's seen it all before millions yes. of times times over. So he plays so much. That's why he's playing so much because like he's trying to have fun with something that he's like experienced and seen a million times before. The only thing that can entertain himself is like what he does. I think at, at that yep. moment, yes, um, living through this this and it's unclear to me exactly how that works my understanding is that he's like super old and that he's he's seen this all before but that's still a little bit confusing how how exactly that makes sense um but yeah he does a great job of being this enigmatic figure this willy wonka type guy where he's got this it's the same thing too he wants them to take over right so it it is very comparable to like when the kids come to willy wonka you know he he's he's trying to who who survives and who can make it? Can Charlie Bucket finally be the one, you know, to get through? Sylvie and Loki were the toughest of the variants to make it through there, so they're the ones that get all the chocolate, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It, I it never was... thought my life would be. <laughs> no, go ahead. He just makes it, it. He he made it a lot of fun, and he he made it a, a somehow grounded performance, uh, despite it being this, you know. Otherworldly entity that he was portraying, you know, he he's a god. Uh, and I was thinking about the idea of how powerful this character would be that they're setting up here. He who remains Kang, whatever you want to uh, call it. But like we've already established, you know, the big bad up until this point was Thanos, and he was so much more powerful than all of our heroes individually uh, in the MCU. Uh, but and this Thanos, guy's fifty times powerful than Thanos. I- Magnitudes, magnitudes more power because remember the infinity stones are nothing they're worth nothing. like so the, like the the stakes moving forward are going to be so massive they're going to require this something even bigger than what we saw in endgame you know that massive uh assembly of like literally every character we've seen it's gonna i think it's setting the stakes for something even bigger than that a couple years down the line we have to go back and get everybody from all the multiverse you know and team them all up again yeah you're right that's that's where we'll get as uh they walk into the uh the old looking room dark dingy got a bookshelf a fireplace all over and king he who remains calmly walks over to his desk Pours a drink as Loki and Sylvie are kind of still – they're walking around slowly. Their eyes are on him. Weapons raised, kind of just looking around too, making sure there, there's nothing there. No one's going to about to pop out. He gives them a drink as they sit. He knows – it's funny too. Uh, two sugars? He pours it. He knows like what they would take in their drink, in their tea and stuff, you know, and hands it right to them. And 
Loki and Sylvie they've got their daggers Out facing And then we cut back And we head back to the TVA And um, Mobius walks in but before we do We kind of mentioned it a little bit um, The look of his office and the feel of uh, of Kang here, just kind of in his his quarters when he sits down too, you can, his head is kind of like in the middle. There's like a circle around his head, and then behind him you can see the big ring of the sacred timeline. Um, the visuals in this episode, and then every time we went back to seeing like the timeline with the wormholes and the blues and the purples, and um, this. Felt very much like a big budget movie Some of these episodes when we saw Like we got to look at this Absolutely I was very pleased You know throughout this whole series With the 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 special effects And the, the level of, of the production value I think I had One episode on Lamentis Where I kind of took a little bit of issue With some of the compositing that had been done there But even that had some just wow moments uh, And big special, Big high budget special effects stuff and then this uh, episode continues that with, you know, a kind of a bottle episode. Much of it's like, like I said earlier, like in this room, but still yes. production design is so intricate and detailed and the little um, very detailed effects that are going on in the background with the time stream around them and, and everything. And even down to the music, if you listen throughout their conversations here, there's really sweeping um, music that's keeping the energy up throughout this whole episode and keeping the stakes feeling as high as they are. We head back to the TVA and Mobius walks in to Ravona's and he's got a weapon. He wants to prune her. Uh, he knocks on the door. She says, I wasn't to be disturbed. And she, he says, You're not going to be happy to see me. He's back. <laughs> and uh, she said, If anyone's ever going to make it back from the void, I, I suppose it was going to be you. He says, oh, another one man's void is another man's piece of cake. Uh, she asks, so you're going to prune me? He said, I like that idea, but, you know, my standards might be a little higher than that area in that area than yours, you know, with close personal friends. She apologizes. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Mobius. I couldn't let you get in the way of our mission. Mission? The timekeepers are fake, Mobius reminds. We're all variants. What mission? This is when she gets real sort of. It can't have been for nothing That's why I had to prune you And she takes her radio 100 D90 to my office immediately Mobius says yeah sorry Ravona. That's not going to work out the way you think it is Now that we know your secret She says what do you What did you do So The first of a, a Couple of uh, Interactions that we see with uh, with Mobius and with Ravona here And um, He is He's let her know that he has informed other people, the other agents, the other hunters at the TVA, what's really up. So Ravona doesn't have she doesn't have any power anymore. Yeah. He's got her temp pad. He he's got the weapon with the the ability to prune her and and yeah. like her minions and her soldiers, they're not even going to follow her anymore. Yeah, her authority's been totally undermined. And I mean people People don't uh, believe in the cause anymore And that's what she was serving this whole time The cause And now she's just looking for something To um, To reinforce uh, the cause That she was serving to, to like To make it justifiable you know We 
Now flash to Fremont, Ohio in 2018 We see Hunter B-15 As she's traveled there Other TVA hunters are looking for her But B-15 runs into an office In is what's a school in Fremont, Ohio And looks like the principal's office um, We hear Hunter U-92 who's looking for her Stay alert, she's close, secure the perimeter uh, I've got her And then he walks into the office where she is He says, stand down B-15 and she says, you need to listen to me And says, no, there'll be time for that He wants to take her back into the TVA Hunter B-15 says, just wait And that's when we see Ravona walk in But it's not Ravona Because uh, Hunter U-92 says, Judge Renslayer to her And who we think is Ravona says, what? Who are you? And what the hell are you doing in my school? I believe the name on uh, the wall on the back that says that she graduated from Ohio State University said Rebecca Tormanay. So that's the name of Ravona. Her real name is Rebecca Tormanay. In her real life, this is who she was. She was a principal. So Hunter B-15, she knew the best way to try to explain to the others what's really going on was to show them. And show them that Ravona exists somewhere else before the TVA. To let them know they're all variants Ravona was a variant They are all variants They all have past lives, past memories So you know what, sometimes you can explain it to them I always like making uh, real world references to things Again, right, your friend uh, Someone that you care about, you love They're being cheated on by uh, their spouse Their significant other It's such a weird situation, right You tell them, they don't want to believe you 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 don't want to be the one to tell them What's the best way is maybe letting them see what's happening If they were to see it If you knew that they were going to be at a place And they could see it happening Then it sort of like You know you 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 don't have to worry about that whole No no it's denial and everything That's that's what Hunter B-15 is doing here No denial No way they can deny They can say uh, uh, uh. They saw right with their own eyes That um, everything they've been Living is a lie Yeah Seeing is believing Right, so no um, kill the messenger here. We now flash back to uh, Kang's office. Before they do, he, um, you know, B fifteen says this isn't Judge Red, Judge Red Slayer, and Hunter U ninety two is very confused. So Hunter B fifteen says we have a lot to talk about, as she, you know, lets them know. Back to Kang's office with Loki and with Sylvie. And he says, it's been a long journey for you, hasn't it? A lot of running, a lot of pain Look As he looks at Loki, and then he looks to Sylvie And you, you're a flea on the back of a dragon In for one hell of a ride But you did manage to hang on Mm-hmm, I guess that counts for something And Loki says, I'm not sure you quite understand the situation You've lost, we found you <laughs> He says, of course you did, duh And then Sylvie jumps up she swings her dagger at King Again who just kind of flashes Through time to disappear Reappear and he's kind of laughing at her Whoa swing and a miss He's like mocking her as she keeps Lunging at him And Sylvie's getting getting pretty upset um, so, we, so we're still doing that hmm? Let's get <laughs> this out of the way And he goes and he gets some books And he takes a couple pages Out of the books that have Stuff written out and it's a script of everything that was just said 
And things that will be said It was almost like you know in the TVA when Loki had to sign Here's a list of everything you've ever said You know and then he says it a couple more and they print it out But this actually has The future And that's when Kang lets him know you can't kill me Because I already know What's going to happen See He shows them So Sylvie's still trying to kill this guy Loki is really Trying to take this all in Like you could tell that they're both on two different Wavelengths when they're sitting here because Sylvie's not even really listening She's so fixated On her plan she's right here She's just right in front of her how's she gonna Kill this guy Loki is actually Being the level headed Person here and taking in Everything that that he who remains is saying Yeah uh and I guess it comes down to that's just been her glorious purpose this whole time. Like mm-hmm. she just can't get over that. She's just got to find this guy and kill him because she he's the guy that's behind, you know, all this suffering that I've been through in my whole life. Uh, but Loki's at, I guess, just the right place in his uh, uh, development and his journey mm-hmm. here. Progression. Yeah. And, and uh, without ego, really just kind of just listen to it and try to make the best decision. He's, Kind of fully formed As this like hero incarnation Of of Loki by this episode So Loki says it's a Paul it's a parlor trick And he says okay do you you wonder how I'm able to get out of the way just before you kill me And so he says no it's because of that temp pad He who remains says yeah But how do I already have it loaded up with Everything I need to know from being killed by you two It's easy I know it all and I've seen it all then he goes, and this is one thing you mentioned um, throughout this episode, and it's been one thing. It's hard in shows or movies where you're introducing these news new ideas when you're going to have a lot of exposition. You have to make sure it's entertaining. And while he's telling yeah. us all of this, it's just almost like what Miss Minutes was telling us in the first episode in that video that we laughed at because it reminds us of Jurassic Park, and you know, and right. this this is just a. A good entertaining way And you have this really entertaining character A new character that a lot of people Are going to be glued to their seat to see And you have him give us all this Important information and then as he Does it you know in a little While we see these figurines Come up on the desk as he's talking And it's different ways of making What could be like a lot of Information and sometimes hard to digest It makes it a lot more digestible When it's in this fun entertaining way yeah, it's visual and it adds um, uh, just a cool element to it, like a fun aspect to it. You know, we're seeing some technology on the screen that he's using. And it also adds to the um, idea that he's this advanced uh, character. He's using this advanced technology um, from from what we know about his origins. He's from the future. Uh, he's Nathaniel Richards, who is a descendant of actually Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four in the comics. Mm-hmm. So he's, he has access to all this future tech. Um, I guess he, he, he has access to pretty much anything from all of time. So he would, uh, but it's just a cool, fun thing to kind of chew on when, uh, uh, like we said earlier, like it's like that spoonful of sugar helping that medicine go down the medicine yep. being the, the exposition there. And yeah, the, again, they just figure out a way to, to do it and make it fun and not really feel like a cheap moment at all. It feels kind of rewarding too. Yeah. And it also has added layer that it's like we're we're seeing the same story told again from like a different 
a narrative perspective. Like originally we saw the story told from the narrative that the TVA was pushing. And then uh, there was a bit of an unreliable narrator there. And then now we're getting that again, but we're getting it through the filter of, of this new character, he who remains. And it also could be his own unreliable narrator. Uh, he might not be as benevolent uh, as he is uh, suggesting. Pretending to be. Yeah, yeah. So he sits in his desk while Loki and Sylvie stand across from him. He says, everything you guys did on Lamentis, I saw. All of the stuff the TVA didn't know about, I knew. All of the scheming, all the talking. And he says, that little look by the lake. And when he says that, Loki and Sylvie look at each other. You know, they they look back at each other. It's just little things like that in um, in acting when you see that are perfect. They just add. It's so great. It's not a big deal, but it's just that little look by the lake, and then bump. They turn and look at each other. He says, "Quite sentimental, very touching stuff." By the way, and Sylvie says, "No, no, we broke out of your little game. That's how we got here." And he says, "No, wrong." Every step you took to get here, Lamentis, the void, I paved the road. You just walked down it, and I have the rest right here. Everything that's going to happen, there's only one way that this can go. So Sylvie asks, then why are we here? This next line is amazing because it's such a, it's such a corny, like, of course this is why, because this happens in every movie. It's the journey, you know? It's You can't get to the end until you've been changed by the journey. This stuff, it needs to happen to get us all in the right mindset, to finish the quest. It's He's just mocking them and, like, mocking the superhero movies and just, like, movies in general with, like, a hero's journey. But it's... Yeah. It's great that that they have so much confidence in him as a character and in general for them to, like... Slap us all in the face like this and be like Yeah you know the movies that you're watching right now That we've made like 50 of and we're gonna make 50 million more of these movies and TV shows Ha ha Kuro's journey Ha 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 but they're like mock you know They're laughing at us but we love it Yeah I mean uh, And the hero's journey is Something that's just there you know Like it's something that like Joseph Campbell Found that had already been existing Mm -hmm. And he kind of like pointed at the The parts that make up these Stories so it's just like it's almost like the multiverse in a way, like like the multiverse just kind of exists and uh, it exists because it, it, it has been th- that way. Uh, uh, I was thinking about how time travel is kind of the thing that makes it all possible. Like that's why branches happen in the multiverse uh, because of time travel. Without that, it really doesn't exist. But then like it's kind of that creates kind of a chicken or the egg thing. So it's just it's just the way it is. Right there. So like, um, yeah, they can make fun of it or whatever. Uh, but it is uh, it's just an essential part of like the, the fabric of uh, storytelling and how we how we appreciate them and how we tell stories. So Loki. Uh, he's like shaking his head. Oh, so it's all a game. It's all a manipulation. He who remains says it's interesting that your head would go to that. And then he says, Sylvie. You think you can trust this guy? So right as Loki says it's a manipulation, boom, he starts to manipulate even more. It's like, oh, okay, you want me to do that? I'm going to turn on the manipulation meter even more here. Loki says, don't listen to him. And uh, he who remains mocks Loki, don't listen to him. Don't. Do you think you're even capable of trusting anyone at all? And Sylvie and Loki, again, they look at each other. And they're like speaking to each other without saying anything. They're asking each other with their eyes right here. 
can I trust you? You know, and they're trying to answer each other. You can trust me. But Sylvie, she just doesn't like get to that point really. Um is we flash back to the TVA, but I thought the looks that they shared in in this particular scene when they were sitting at the table and throughout, and some of the looks that Sylvie, Loki, and then uh, he who remains give when they're just in this room, because there's only one person at a time that's talking. And so when the one person's talking, the other two are just sitting there, and a lot of times they have to be reacting. What does Joey say in friends? Reacting. I'm not talking about acting again. I'm talking about you know what you do when you're uh, when you're not on the, when you don't have words. So yeah, this is this is it. This is like one of the big things when you're in acting classes. You have to make sure that when you don't have lines, you're react. You're still a big part of what's going on, and you're feeding and you're giving the actor something to the other one, something to play off, something to feel off. I mean, I I could see everything they were trying to say, and they didn't have to say it. Yeah, that just comes down to what great actors we have yeah. on screen. I mean, Hiddleston a- and Sofia DiMartino and what Jonathan Majors uh, did there. It, it just goes back to that that thing like we were saying about how great the, the casting is in the MCU. And on that note, I mean, we got some Emmy nominations uh, just recently. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to say Marvel got 28 Emmy nominations. For including Wanda, right? Multiple. Uh, yeah, uh, um, Falcon also got a few. But we got acting nominations for the two leads in um, in WandaVision. So I think that's just phenomenal. Great. And in this show, too, you think of, like, Hiddleston and Majors and, uh, like, Richard E. Grant. They're, like, classically trained actors. Yeah. Like, they're Broadway, stage, stage yeah. Shakespearean stuff, you know. And they're, they just show you how all of them, the fact that they're, they have so much fun with the role – Anyone, good guy, bad guy. If you're a, the best bad guys are fun. Still, you got to be evil and fun too, you know. And that's what this, this, this Kang, he who remains, is. Um, as we check back in with Mobius, he's telling Ravona, "I think the people are ready to hear a little truth now. You know, like the TVA is a lie." She says, "But what if it's a necessary one?" Somebody created the timekeepers This whole place they gave us all purpose I have to believe they had a reason Mobius kind of laughs No because I've seen the horror waiting For people when they get pruned And there's nothing necessary about that She starts defending You know what would happen if we didn't prune the timeline Mobius says what She says chaos Death Mobius says free will She goes, free will? Only one person gets free will, the one in charge. She is brainwashed, man, as uh, Mobius quotes her. He says, friends across time, allies to the end. She says, shut up. And Mobius says, that was so beautiful. And then you sent me to die. What happened to you? She tries to spin it on him. This is a great heel Evil person thing to do right Nothing I didn't change You betrayed me You betrayed me I looked out for you I hung my neck out for you You suffer a crisis of faith you turn to those Variants after eons of friendship You threw it all away on a couple of Lokis no Mobius I didn't betray you Great deflective Stuff here right it's not me It's you and you turn it around you spin it on Someone in a fight man this is like Manipulating 101 this is really well done By Ravona she's trying 
Yeah, well, are we sure she's even manip- manipulating? Or is no, like, you're right. Her, is she still so dug in where she's like, no, like, my purpose was the TVA. Okay, even just because the TVA is not what I thought it was, it's still got to be important that we were doing this this whole time. So just because I was being deceived here, it doesn't mean that, you know, it was it was bad. Maybe That's- maybe they were deceiving me for, for a good reason, That's- you know, so she's dug in that way. She's like what I said in the last episode our last podcast about cults when you're in a cult and you get like, like a doomsday cult, you, in the, you pass the date when the doomsday is supposed to hit, you know, certain people they'll go, okay, this is a, this is phony. I'm out. Other people will go, no, there had to be a reason. I can't have given all of my life to this. If it was fake, there must be something more. We must've like miscalculated and then they dig in even deeper. So and she's on that side. Think about in these last two episodes, the contrast there are two in my head that jump out that were on one side and then two that would have been that would have realized and said oh nope and then two that are going to keep drinking the Kool-Aid think about it you got Ravona and even Sylvie Sylvie at the end she still can't change she still oh. is devoted everything that she, like all of her time to this one way and even if that's the wrong way that's what she wants to do that's where Ravona goes think about classic Loki and what he says to Mobius, because Mobius is the one that obviously is on the opposite side. His whole life has been dedicated to the TVA, but he quickly is able to to realize that what they're doing is bad and change his whole perception. And classic Loki is the one who goes, everything that you believed in and you worked your life on like for and like you're you're gonna go against it. And that's when Mobius says it's never too late to change. Yeah. Um so we've seen in just the last two episodes, like you said, if there were that cult, there would have been two on this side, two on the other side, which is just a microcosm of the world. You know, we're we're kind of at that point right now. We're 50 50. We're half are on one half are on the other of whatever topic, whatever subject, whatever, whatever you're talking about. Everyone's going to half are going to go one way and half are going to go the other way. And uh, yeah, we get these great like microcosms of society, the real world and everything that's happening in these Marvel movies and shows as a. Uh, she, you know, she goes off on Mobius. She tries to spin it on him, but with one line, he makes it all make sense. Here, we can't take away people's free will, Ravona. Do you not see that? Yeah. And um, comes down to free will again. Like we've been saying all along, this is an, a question of free will, and they're being, you know, it's it's being discussed by the characters on the very surface at this point. So. It's not even subtext. It's the actual text of the show that this is all about free will. And do we have it? Who has free will? Can we escape our destiny? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's awesome. Um, so she opens a portal with the temp pad. And she's, he, Mobius asks, what are you going to do? She says, what I need to do. He says, wait, stop. Maybe we can build this into something better together. She says, oh, I'm sorry, Mobius. He says, I'm not going to let you go. She says, please, Mobius. He takes out the weapon and he kind of holds it at her like he's going to prune her. She says, please, Mobius, even with that, you're no danger to me. He says, is is that what you think? Let's see. And he kind of comes at her and he tries to prune her and she just instantly fights him off. And I thought this was like. A very Owen Wilson, like if this was the scene that Owen, I don't, I'm sure he didn't read for this, but if like this would have been the scene that if he did, they would have said, oh yeah, this is Owen Wilson. Like he just, he gets pushed down so quickly and he says, uh, yeah, you were right back here again. (laughs) He says like on the, 
she's not all bad she's not all good and that's those are the characters that are uh, are hardest to read because we don't we don't know what her motivations are yet i don't think she really does she's kind of she's kind of played her hand a few times when she's said she doesn't really know that she's she wants to find out more there has to be a reason so I, I don't think she knows a whole lot more now than than what she's led led us to think she knows. Yeah, she's really like she's looking for answers still. And I think in her mind, she's trying to do the right thing. And even when she pruned Mobius before, she was probably thinking that that was just a really hard thing that she had to do. Uh, but it was like the right thing. Uh, she justified that in her mind uh, with that the stakes were too high, that you know her mission with the TVA, even knowing that it was phony on one level, uh, that it's still serving a greater purpose and that she would even betray her friend to, uh, to do that right thing. Um, so, yeah, I just think that uh, it's still very ambiguous as to, you know, is she good? Is she bad at this point? But leaning towards good just because yeah, she let him live there. Um, but also, I like that she says she's in search of free will, which ties back to that earlier line that she says about only the one in charge has yes. free will. So, so we know. Look, yeah. Looking for the one in charge. That's going to connect directly to Kang or a variant of Kang, which we head right back to see at the Citadel. He who remains goes on. And the way he moves around with such fluidity, it's like um, it was like an like you're watching like an an athlete at their craft it reminded me of like um because he's the table is his main prop here that he's using he's sitting at this desk and and it was like and i i don't know i mean i I, i've been in some movies and tv shows and i've been on sets and stuff and sometimes it's as simple as like hey jonathan majors we want you to really have some fun walking around moving around this desk just go with it have fun and other times it's like the blocking is down to a T. It all depends on who's directing and who you're working with and all that stuff, you know? But, like, this feels like I'm watching him, and it's like when you watch a freaking Olympic ping pong player move around a table. Like, <laughs> he's doing it with such fluidity. It's so yeah. smooth. He's like a gazelle. Like, the way he's, like, sitting to standing to, like, half sitting on the front of the desk. He's like moving around his arms. It's like, this is like all part of his body and in one. And it's, I just thought it was so great. Like little things like that stand out to me. I, the last couple of years, right before the pandemic, I started going back to acting classes and stuff and was picking, was trying to get right back into it. Actually, right before Milo was born. And uh, unfortunately I haven't been able to do as much then, but I was really, I was really interested in just the craft and, and trying yeah. to take in at the acting and, and, and seeing how really good actors would do it and trying to learn how to get into different roles and, and some of the tricks and stuff. And um, so now the last couple of years when I watch things, I just am, I'm wowed by, by people yeah. in particular. And this was, choices. yeah, the, the choice. Choices that, yeah. I mean, and a lot of choices, the amount of choices that he made, the, the, the variations and the, the, the tonality of his uh, delivery and like the, like you were saying, he was bouncing around and he did that with his every single line was kind of a, coming from a different place. But it all felt cohesive to this kind of uh, eccentric character, this godly character. Uh, and I had the same kind of thought, I think, uh, as I was watching, just listening to him go from one line to the next and then kind of playing it back and going, 
you know, he's basically, he's just telling a story of how the universe, you know, exists. He's kind of doing a science lesson on, on, yeah. in one sense here, but there's so much that he's imbuing every line with. Uh, and, and it comes down to also that thing we talked about before is, is it entertaining? He's making it entertaining. It's entertaining and it's truthful. Those are like the two most important things that you can really be as an actor, you know, living truthfully within the imaginary circumstances uh and then there's uh there's just there's being entertaining <laughs> there's yeah. that, that aspect to it which is kind of uh more of the x factor i think but it's so crucial and they say that's the one rule in filmmaking i think uh, is that you need to be entertaining yeah oh good and, and he says i understand your moral objections to what the tva does and my methods are deceptive but the mission it never was without me without the tva everything burns Loki asks then what are you so Afraid of He who remains responds Me <laughs> And Sylvie says And just who are you And he who remains Says I've been dubbed many names by many People a ruler A conqueror really has Some fun with that word conqueror You could tell And he who remains A jerk But it's not as simple <laughs> as a name he kind of flicks something out of the device on his wrist, that time twister device. And then what looks like a small figurine appears on his desk. And it's a figure of himself. And so as he's telling this tale, these figures are on the desk, kind of like a storyboard of, of what's happening throughout his life. They're kind of showing you like a kid would be playing with toys as they're telling you the story. He, uh, He says, eons ago, before the TVA, a variant of myself lived on Earth in the 31st century. It was a scientist. He discovered that there were universes stacked on top of his own. At the same time, other versions of us were learning the same thing. Naturally, they made contact. For a while, there was peace. Narcissistic, self-congratulatory peace. When he does these different things. Thing. I love your shoes. I love your hair. Oh man, nice nose. Thanks, man. <laughs> like he's doing. Oh my, this was like Jim Carrey. I could see like, oh, do you do? Robin Williams even. I love your hair. Oh man, nice nose. You know, and it was just incredibly, etc. They share technology and knowledge, using the best of their universes to improve the others. However, not every version of me was so so pure of heart. And he's eating the apple. He's asking questions and answering them himself. Um, and, uh, the peace, he said, to some of us, the new worlds meant only one thing. New lands to be conquered. That word again. Yep. Peace between realities erupted into an all-out war. And he goes, boom. Each variant fighting to preserve their universe and annihilate the others. This was almost the end. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of everything and everyone. And then Sylvie d- jumps in, but this is this is huge. I mean, this is big information here. Where he tells us, like you said, Earth on the 31st century. He tells us exactly how the multiverse really was born and the sacred timeline. He's going to go on with it a little bit more. Um, but this, this, and then I guess we'll go through the rest of what he says, and we can kind of pick it all apart. Um, as uh, Sylvie says, and then the timekeepers came along and saved us all. You know, she says it mockingly. And he says, oh, 
just like I used to have to sing at church at St. Luke's back in the day uh, over and over. He says, no, no. This is where we diverge for the dogma. That first variant encountered a creature created from all the tears in reality, uh, from all the tears in reality, capable of consuming time and space itself. A creature you both know. Loki answers, Eliath. Bingo! I harnessed the beast's power and began experimenting on it. I weaponized Eliath and I ended the multiversal war. Once I isolated our timeline, all I had to do was manage the flow of time and prevent any further branches. Hence the TVA, the timekeepers, and a highly efficient bureaucracy. Hence the ages of cosmic harmony. Hence you're welcome. You came to kill the devil, right? Well, guess what? I keep you safe. You think I'm evil? Wait till you meet my variants. And that's the gambit. You may hate the dictator, but something far worse is going to fill that void if you depose of him. Stifling mm. order of cataclysmic chaos. I've lived a million lifetimes. I've gone through every scenario. This is the only way the TVA, it works. Boom! I mean, in two little little uh, monologues here, we get his entire backstory, who he is, why he's done it, what's happening, what's moving. This was a lot of information yeah. in like two minutes. Yeah, it 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 tells us a lot about what we've wanted to know all along, like what the hell's behind the, you know, the TVA, like, why is this, you know, we never took it at face value. We always kind of got this impression that it was propaganda, but like, why is somebody propagandizing this? And like, who is this guy that's behind it? Um, So yeah, it's a, it also in a really cool way, I think parallels, uh, like politics global and geopolitics if you think about it like he specifically says about you know toppling or deposing of a dick a dictator That's, uh yeah. when we in, when we interfere sometimes sometimes uh the vacuum that's created is more dangerous than uh you know this the stable dictator or yeah. at least that's the argument that's made uh in in geopolitics yeah um but uh in, in this case fascinating yeah, what, yeah, what kind of Pandora's box is being opened here? As uh, now, this makes them really think because Sylvie, like, hey, everything you thought was, was bad, all of us bad people, everything bad here going on. Nope, I'm the best. I'm the nicest yeah. one here. I'm the one that just wants things to move smoothly. And Sylvie says, "You're a liar." Yeah. yeah. He says, okay, or I'm a liar. And Loki says, you just continue to prune innocent timelines? And he he said, yeah. He says, you too would. There are two options. One, you kill me and destroy all of this. So you don't have one devil. You have an infinite amount. Or you two, you two run the thing. So. Loki says you're lying Why would you give up being in control This is when he he sits back down at The desk with Loki and Sylvie Now they're sitting facing him And he who remains says buddy I'm tired And I'm older I'm older than I look This game is for the young the hungry I've gone through a lot of scenarios trying to find the right person To take this spot It turns out that person came in too But it's definitely you two So no more lies You kill me in the sacred timeline It's completely exposed Multiversal war 
or you take over and return to the TVA as its benevolent rulers. Tell the workforce who they are and what they do and why they do it. Sylvie furious. You treated real people's lives like some kind of a game. He said it's not personal, it's practical. She says it was personal to me. And he screams at her, grow up! Grow up, Sylvie! Murderer! (laughs) Hypocrite! We're all villains here. And we've all done horrible, terrible, horrific things. But now, we, you, have a chance to do them for a good reason. Which is really true, right? Like, these are three people sitting in this room who have done some pretty bad things. And yes, Sylvie was taken away from her family as a kid and taken away. But she's definitely been, she is not innocent for some of the things that she's done. No, definitely not. And I always think back to Loki in the Avengers movie, like taking that guy's eye out. (laughs) Just jacking the guy in the eye and like killing people uh, indiscriminately and how many people must have died in the battle in New York and all that. I mean, he's literally like a genocidal maniac (laughs) at one point in, in, in his story. So the fact that we're, even on his side now and that we can empathize and sympathize with uh, him is 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 fascinating i think to really think about just the nature of of storytelling also on that level that we can get behind these these characters that are like beyond anti-heroes it's like the tony soprano thing like terrible character but he's a a fascinating protagonist and uh, we love to watch him and in this case you know we've gotten a character who's gone full circle or i guess full 180 uh, to be from villain to now, like I said earlier, I think he's a hero at the, at this point. He's yes. not even really an anti-hero. Like he's been an anti-hero for a minute. Now he's hero, um, and you see that dichotomy and that the divergence from Sylvie, who's like on maybe still a different part of her journey. So this is when things change, as we hear a a rumbling in the in the background, like a like a thunder, and all of a sudden, the look on he who remains face. Changes that confidence That smile that smirk it's gone He is now He's a different person He's looking around He's scared He's kind of nervous kind of twitchy Uncomfortably looking all over the place He drops a like a pen on the table Just to kind of see what would happen And then he kind of laughs like Because he doesn't know He says we just crossed the threshold and we keep hearing thunder in the background. He says, okay, so I fibbed. I fibbed earlier when I said I know how everything's going to go. I I knew everything up to a certain point, and that point was about seven, eight, nine, ten seconds ago. But now I have no idea, no idea how the rest of this is going to go. And we see behind him, it looks like the timelines are branching. We see that sacred timeline, and there, there's branches coming yeah. off of it. And... He who remains is kind of looking around Taking a deep breath And Loki says that's it That's it That's what happens at the end of time And you're just going to sit there with all that freedom And let us decide your fate And he says yeah Yeah what's the worst that can happen You either take over and my life's work Continues or you plunge a blade In my chest An infinite amount of me will start another multiversal war, and I just end up right back here anyways. Reincarnation, baby! (laughs) (laughs) I love his performance here. Uh, 
again, I mean, we've, we've gushed over already here, but, uh, and I mentioned earlier that this moment in particular was, was kind of my favorite when he crosses that threshold, because there's just such a visible change in him. Uh, he's at once thrilled by the, the, the novelty of it. This is something that he hasn't seen before. So it's just like, he's excited by what happens when he drops a pen, something as little as that. That's such a great yeah. moment right there. But he's also, there's this underpinning of, of fear. Um, and, and at the same time, also he's resigned to whatever happens, happens. So all of this is kind of happening at the same time from, from line to line. And he's getting all of these, you know, emotions out while delivering, you know, exposition, uh, left and right. So uh, it's uh, an absolute masterclass performance from this guy. And uh, I can't wait to go back and, and um, check out Lovecraft Country. I which, heard uh, I know he's excellent he was, in there. Yeah, I hear I hear he's excellent in it. And I hear it's an excellent show. I think it's not coming back for a second season, which is unfortunate. But I'm going to go enjoy that that first season, uh, especially now since I, I've seen him in this. Sylvie says, no, it's just another lie. Another manipulation. And uh, he who remains says no No lie no manipulation We can hear that thunder getting louder In the background And he pulls out his time twister device He places it on the desk in front of Loki And Sylvie And uh, he says wow I love this I love all this honesty Feels like a fresh start And Sylvie jumps up To kill him but right as she's about to, Loki grabs her and prevents it from happening. He says, "What are you doing? Hang out." Uh, he says, "Hang on a moment. Uh, let's talk about it." Sylvie says, "How about we finish what we started and we kill him?" So Loki and Sylvie battle, and this actually—it wasn't long. I thought the choreography in this battle was really good. It was quick. It was these two going at it. You could see sort of the mimic. With them too, um, where they have a lot of the same moves and a lot of the a similar fighting style. They're uh, yeah. Sylvie kind of trying to enchant Loki. He's kind of trying to enchant her back um, as he asks, "What if he's telling the truth?" She says, "So, so what? Uh, believe that a bazillion boogeyman will turn up just because we give people free will? He's a liar, Loki." Loki says, "So am I, but I don't think he was lying. Not about that." He's insane, yes, but maybe he was telling the truth. And, and <laughs> as this is happening, I love that the you said how he changes he who remains once once he doesn't have the script anymore. Because now he's just he's like so fascinated just watching what's happening. Yeah. He's like such a willing uh like a willing um viewer in watching yeah. their battle. And then when when they like have their emotional moment, you could just see his face in the background, like he's he's just making like uh, just so great. You know, we've he's getting all the praise that that he should from us uh, on the show and from a lot of people because he he was just just so great. As, he says, "Better hurry, timeline's already branching." So Sylvie asks Loki, "What are you suggesting?" Loki says, "Think about it. That we think about it." Weren't you listening to what he was saying? That's the gambit. Remove the dictator. What fills the void? Now, Sylvie thinks that Loki just wants to rule. Because, right, Loki's always wanted to rule. He's always wanted to be in charge. He wants to be the god of mischief, the king of Asgard, all these things that he's wanted. But he, 
he is being 100% genuine. He has he has already come full circle like you said. He's not an anti-hero anymore. He's a hero. He's seen his faults. He's from watching his mistakes in the time theater to the the time loop with Sif to where he realized to just what happened with Mobius, how he kind of was honest with someone and shared a connection to now what's happened with Sylvie. Loki is much further along at becoming a complete person, at becoming, um, you know, uh, a good person than Sylvie is. He's he's just further there than she is. Yeah, and I think the next few lines actually really kind of speak to to why that is. And it has to do with trust and her ability to trust. She says, you want the throne. He tells her, no, that's not it. She says, I don't believe you. Loki says, Sylvie, the universe is in the balance. Everything we know to be true, everything. He's pleading with her. I know the TVA has hurt us both. But what if by taking him out, we un- we risk unleashing something even worse? All I'm suggesting is we take a minute to think about it. I promise you from my heart, this isn't about a throne. But she doesn't really even – what was I thinking trusting you? Has this whole thing been a con? And Loki's – he's hurt. He's crushed. And you see uh, he remains just sitting in the background. He's just chilling, making faces, kind of reacting to everything. And And Loki says, really? That's what you think of me? After all this time Sure why not Evil Loki's master plan comes together You never trusted me did you What was the point Can't you see this is bigger Than our experience And the next couple lines are are, I thought huge Where Sylvie says Why aren't we seeing this The same way And Loki says because you can't Trust and I can't be trusted. Yeah. And she says, then I guess we're in a pickle. And they, they start to fight and use magic. But this back and forth, because they have another one after this in a minute that seems like maybe he's gotten through to Sylvie, but this is real Sylvie right here. She's putting on a mirage in a minute. This is how yeah. she truly feels. She just can't get to where Loki is yet because she hasn't. Had some of the same experiences that Loki has to complete her journey. So true. And um, just going back to what we've been talking about in terms of like where they are on the hero villain scale in uh, in uh, terms of their journey, the hero's journey. Joseph Campbell, the, a hero has to take a leap of faith, yeah. uh, and she just can't trust yet. She doesn't have that faith yet. Uh, so that that I think speaks to why. She is where she is in her journey right now, and why he is where he is. He he he's been able to kind of humble himself to the point where he can take that leap of faith and operate on trust. Um, but you know, to her credit, he's not really historically a trustworthy guy. He even admitted that as much. Yeah. He's the boy. He's the boy who cried wolf in more ways than one. Uh, so, for somebody who is not capable of trust, it, it's even more hard to to trust a, a Loki. You know of all people And uh, Sylvie and Loki start to fight um, They're using magic They're trying to enchant each other And he says Sylvie wait And 
maybe he's lying, maybe he's not. The cost of getting this wrong is just too great. Sylvie says, fine, do it. Kill me. Take me to your throne. And Loki says, no, he doesn't want to do that. And as soon as he lets his guard down, she enchants Loki. And she's just about to kill he who remains. But then Loki pops back up and he reappears just as her dagger um, has to stop like right at Loki's neck. He says, Sylvie, stop. Stop. And they have this moment where it is, it starts to seem like it's getting to her. I don't like, I don't think this is fake. Her crying is fake. Like, I don't, I don't think she's um, really playing that off to Loki because they look mm-hmm. at each other and, and he tells her, I've been where you are. I felt what you feel. I think she's crying more so because she knows what she has to do. She knows mm-hmm. what she's about to do. Um, and, Loki tells her don't ask me how I know All I know is I don't want to hurt you I don't want a throne I just I just want you to be okay A super powerful moment Where Sylvie drops her dagger And she kisses Loki And they kiss for a moment here And it is it's so gross when we think about it, right? This is the same person, but we, it doesn't feel that way at all when you're watching it. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's it's very <laughs> very reminiscent of like of the Wanda Vision stuff, you know, where when you like, yeah, when you dissect it and think about what it really is, but when you take right. it for for the moment, and they've made us so emotionally invested in these two coming together, these two that have never had this experience with anyone else, and they have it with each other. And so we want them to have this together. We want to see them together. They kiss. Yeah. It seems like, oh, they're coming together. Loki was able to get to her. And then, boom, she uses the temp pad. She Opens up a portal and she kicks Loki through it. She pushes him right back into the TVA and she shuts the freaking door. And Loki, deja, deja right? vu here. I'm sorry because that, no, please. I think I've been said there was this one point two episodes ago where Loki gets um, when he gets pruned. Uh, that reminded me of that moment. I think it's the end of season two of Buffy. Buffy and Angel kiss yeah. and then she like. Lunges a sword through his chest and pushes him through a portal into hell. Yes, so it's, yes. it's beat for beat the same uh, scene. It just shows you how much uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer has laid the groundwork and the fabric of the, like the, the the blueprint for these types of shows. Even like phrases like "Big Bad" comes from Buffy in the Buffy yeah. writing room. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's something that we use to this day. You and I even to describe the the, the bad guys in this. It's become do, ubiquitous. Do, do, do. <laughs> Gonna have to do, yeah. Gonna have to put that one on in the background sometime soon and do an old uh, Buffy rewatch there. Um, yeah. So yeah, and Loki pops back up in the TVA, but we actually hear he who in, remains first. He says, "Incredible." He's like, he can't believe the the drama that he just saw. These two came, they were fighting. Then they, she was crying. They came together <laughs> to kiss. And then she kicked him through the door and betrayed him and turned her back on him. This was like, you couldn't script all of this, you know, and, and better better than what they did right there for him. He got like a first, uh, like a, 
um, front row seat to just one of the best uh, dramatic experiences of all time here. Yeah, and for him, it was the first unscripted thing he'd seen in eons. Everything else, he literally had a script yeah, for. You're right. Showed us the script earlier. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the first thing he was seeing where he like didn't know what the hell was going to happen, and it was it paid off. It was nice. <laughs> Is uh, the the one line too right when um when Loki says I just want you to be okay, and she drops her sword, and mm-hmm. they kiss, and then as like she's finishing the kiss, she says, "But I'm not you," and that's when mm-hmm. she pushes him into the the portal that she just opened. She sends him back to the TVA. So Sylvie asks, "He who remains, aren't you going to beg for your life?" And he goes, "Oh, I, I could." I could and he just, he just sits there and laughs and she stabs him and it's got to be this like really anticlimactic feeling for her she's like I've gotten I've done everything I did to get here and this guy doesn't even want to fight back he doesn't even yeah. want to like beg and plead he's just gonna sit there and let me stab him and, and she like, <laughs> looks around like unsatisfied this is her whole life building and now she's on the floor. She's crying because she has killed this variant of Kang, this he who remains. And all the timelines now have branched off. We've seen them all. But she, the only real experience that she's ever had was with Loki. He's now gone forever. She sent him back to a different place. And she didn't get this fulfillment that she thought she was going to get, you know, when. We, she, it was almost like she felt like you know when I go and kill them, there's going to be like streamers and balloons that fall down and a big parade, and it's just going to be rosy inside, and I'm going to feel so much better. Unfortunately, when like when you're driven by revenge, you know, mm-hmm. um, this is kind of like what you feel at the end. There's some feeling of justice maybe at some point, but you wonder if like your motivation or if that energy could have just been better used. Than, than, than like being driven by revenge And that's what she was here And she gets to the point where she does everything she wanted And it's Really that's it Yeah and it's like she was 100% goal oriented So they, they say this about You know in general When you have this like big thing uh, that this, this big goal that you're Striving towards and if, especially if it's like a Lifetime like goal when you get To it and you actually achieve That goal uh, it can be a very disheartening feeling because then you're like, well, what now? Well, what do I have to live for now? What's next? Um, and on a, 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 it's almost like that, like a dog chasing a car. Like, what do you do when Let- when, when he gets the car? Like, you're kind of like left, uh, you know, to start over almost. Even if you've just achieved a great goal, like, well, what's left? Why are you still here if you're not, if there's no challenge or if there's nothing there? And like, add to that, there's also the ramifications potentially that she might be uh, considering at that point, like, Oh shit, what have I done? You know, okay. I have achieved this goal. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't Loki know. Right. Was he Second guess. Truth? She's got, yeah. she's got to live with the, the results of this, this thing. And she doesn't know if it's going to be good or not. And she has reason to believe that it's not. So okay. it's immediately going to weigh on her. Little uh, small side tangent because it reminded me of this when you brought it up, and because you and I met each other working at TVG, and for me, yeah. growing up, mom and dad met each other at the racetrack. I go to the track all the time. I'm taking my friends there. I'm, you know, getting involved in movies and TVs and acting and stuff as a kid. Love all sports, um, and so 
TVG was the dream for me. It was my dream job. I mean, literally when I was a kid, I'd have TVG on in the background. I would know Matt Carruthers and Todd Shrupp and all the analysts by name and like I, their jokes and everything. And my we all would know them. And that was what I wanted I, more than anything. And I had a friend who was working at TVG who got a job there. I went over there. One day was just supposed to get a tour. I end up getting a job as the PA. I'm working with you, and uh, I move up from PA to like six months down the line. I'm on air, and like I'm literally got the job that I've wanted, everything that I wanted, and I get to the point, and and I was having a blast. I loved everything I was doing for a little while, and then, you know, it's a couple years in, a little some management changes, some other people come in, and all of a sudden. This thing that was your dream that you wanted your entire life and you're there and you're getting up every day and you're unhappy. And some yeah. days you're like even leaving, like crying, like wondering, like, is this what it was supposed to be? Was this was it? And it's such a weird feeling. It felt just when you say that it reminded me a lot of how Sylvie probably felt like my whole life. I'm trying to work to get to this point. And then I'm there and I'm like not as satisfied as I would have hoped. And you start asking yourself in your head, is it something wrong with me? What do I do? You know, can I really leave this place? What am I going to do? What What's next for me? Where am I going to go after when this is all that I wanted? What am I, you know? And and eventually I, I did decide, you know what? I have to do it. I have to leave because I want to do what's right for myself. And, and then that moment afterwards is what Sylvie's feeling right now when she's on the ground. What yeah. the hell is next? And, and it also kind of speaks to what was said earlier about, you know, the journey being more about the point. You know, like the point is how you're changed on, on the journey. So if you're completely focused on like whatever the end goal is, not to say that goals are bad. I'm not saying no. that at all. No. But like if that's all that there is and you're not like, you know, as cliche it is, it's like stopping and smelling the roses. Trust the process, you know? Trust yes. The process, enjoying the process, embracing the process, the struggle, the grind, whatever that may be. Uh, then once you get to the goal, the goal, it's going to seem all that much more meaningless because it, it like everything else was empty. There was nothing that you really gained from from the process. But, you know, that they say that maybe that's like the meaning of life. Right. Like the struggle and challenge and, and to, to grow and, and, and change. But uh, the meaning of life is not like one thing, like achieve one thing uh, that that's probably not, not not the answer to happiness. No. And then, you know, I. I... Same thing. You're struggling after I leave TVG. I'm wondering what to do. Where are you going to go next? But then you start to realize that it wasn't the place, right? It was more of like the the people and what you're doing and some of the things around. And so all of the things I learned along the way, how I grew, matured, how I became more of a quote unquote man, grew up, learned a lot of things about the TV industry, about being on live, about the racetrack industry, about sports, about this and that, about people. Oh, I like that person. I don't like that person. That's my friend. That's all stuff. That's what it's all about all the way there. And then when I think back sometimes and I would, I would, you know, again, at the afterwards, if something immediately great didn't happen, then you're wondering, damn, what did I do? Did I make the wrong move? Should I have left there? Should I have not? And it's funny. Uh, a couple years later, all of a sudden, I meet Stephanie. I have Milo, and now I think when I think back at like the the road that you chose and the the, the decisions that you made, had I stayed there, that doesn't happen. Like I don't meet her. I'm not with Milo. It's just we don't meet up the way we did. Everything changed, and everything happened for a reason for me. I was supposed, you know, that was all. Um, so it's it, you know, you, you look back and your perspective changes a little bit. Sylvie's going to get that same perspective. 
she's going to she's going to look back and she's going to get that perspective and realize like you know what everything i was striving for was really the connection was really having a life having moments having memories which is what she got with loki um yeah. and, uh, and that's this that's why we're watching a show right we're watching a show for the moments like we can't just yes. tie it all bow and in the season yeah. finale we season 2 to look forward to exactly. so it's like exactly Exactly. So you come for the low key recap. Stay for some uh, of Gino's philosophy uh, going on about yeah. his life as uh, as we we get back to the TVA and Mobius and Hunter B fifteen are talking, and they they're looking at one of the monitors, and all the the branches are blinking like crazy. We could see the timelines all branching off, um, and they say to each other, "No turning back now." For all time, always And they watch as all these Timelines branch off We see Loki He's been transported back into a room At the TVA And he's just devastated So sad Tears in his eyes He's just lost Sylvie He kissed, they kissed And then she pushed him away He's heartbroken One of the only real connections he's ever had But he's He's back at the TVA so at least there's some possibilities here. He knows his buddy Mobius is here and he decides to go find him. But what's interesting is he passes a couple hunters in the hallway. They're running all over. They don't even look at him. It's just chaos everywhere. Nobody seems interested at all in in Loki. And so Loki runs through the library. He's looking all around the TVA. He runs through the cafeteria. He finds Mobius and Hunter B15 in the library. They're talking all about what's been happening, all the chaos, all the branches. That's what 63 new branches in this unit alone He wants us to just let them all branch At this point how are we going to stop it As Mobius and uh, Hunter B15 Talk back and forth uh, Loki comes in and he says We can't Mobius says what what did you say Loki says it's done Mobius We made a terrible mistake B15 asks What And Loki you know Feverishly lets him know We freed the timeline we found him to be we found him beyond the storm, a citadel at the end of time. He's terrifying. He planned everything, he's seen everything, he knows everything. It's complicated, okay? Right? But someone is coming. Countless different versions of a very dangerous person, and they're all set on war. We need mm-hmm. to prepare. And as Loki is Exasperated explaining this to Hunter B15 and to Mobius, he's talking all about he who remains and Kang. They are yeah. looking at him so confused So confused yep. In the next line we find out why As Mobius says what What are you talking about Who are you What's your name He doesn't know Loki He says take it easy You're an analyst right What division are you from Wow So not only does he not know Loki He doesn't know any of the Loki variants The whole god of mischief Who we've seen millions of the Loki variants In the old TVA And and we knew that everybody knew About a Loki or what a Loki was We're in this world now Where these two haven't exist This is some weird back to the future Kind of thing where like They went forward, they went back, things have changed They They don't know each other whatsoever He doesn't know any versions of Loki and Loki is scared beyond belief. Yeah, and um, those characters, Mobius and Hunter uh, P15, they're they're also uh, 
bought in still. They're still like fully like into the TVA and concerned yeah. about the time stream. So like they're, you know, back to square one. Brainwashed uh, soldiers again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loki's potentially got two allies, but right now they're, they're actually probably in the way and probably going to uh, jam them up a little bit. Um, he's going to have to face a new layer of bureaucracy and seemingly uh, from what we understand, it's probably not going to be as benevolent. So this might be a much more uh, darker and uh, dystopian version, maybe a more draconian version of the TVA. I'm, I'm excited to see that too. So as uh, Hunter B-15 and Mobius are kind of talking and they're on their radios, they're talking to other hunters as all this chaos is happening. Um, they ask one more time, uh, who are you? As Loki sort of looks around and as he looks around at the TVA, things are different. Now there's a statue right there, and instead of the three statues of the timekeepers, it's just a big statue of Kang, of he who remains. This was a very Planet of the Apes um, yeah. moment here. Oh, so true. And, um, you know, you got through, like, you, there were so many shows that felt like they had some kind of an influence. Anything to do with time travel from Back to the Future, Doctor Who, Rick and Morty. You mentioned Lost. Um, and and here you're getting that feel of the Planet of the Apes stuff and the credits roll, but in the middle of them we get a stamp that says Loki will return for season two. So we have a cliffhanger, but we will be back. And yeah. oh wow, I thought I thought they nailed this, Tim. I just I was so entertained by this series almost throughout. There were very low, a few low moments, and even I think some of the things that you mentioned that might have been low moments they. They didn't take me all away from it all that much It wasn't really low about the story It might have just been some of the CGI and stuff And what the budget was like And depending on when they were putting this together You know, maybe during a pandemic Other than that, other than maybe a few technical things The acting was great The writing was great It was funny, it was rich, it was honest They made us quickly again Like they did with Bucky Like we're all in on getting behind Loki like he's he's a hero now. Yeah, they really uh, successfully rebooted the character, and I was curious. Um, you know, did they did they have this plan that season two is definitely going to happen, like before they started the series, or were they kind of waiting to announce it and and greenlight it until the reception kind of happened for it? Because it up until seeing that, my understanding was that it was going to be like this limited series, uh, just just the six one off. Uh, and, uh, and I was happy to see that, but this makes sense that we're going to get another, uh, season out of it. Um, you mentioned other shows and whatnot that it compares to. I, I saw a lot, especially in the dynamic that it's been reset. Now the good place, if you've ever seen that, it reminds me of kind of what happened. Oh, good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was one of the first things that I think Mallory Rubin had mentioned. And you're right. It is the way they have to, um, oh, this was like the. 18th simulation this was the 7,256 simulation you know they have to like re-simulate that's a great show if you haven't watched the good place check it out I'm, I'm glad that was one that you mentioned too really good stuff yeah yeah a lot of parallels there especially uh where we're leaving off at the end of the first season almost identical uh for our main characters uh so I think that's really cool and I also think um it's nice the way that they announced it at the end of the the episode is kind of a mid-credits uh thing I think that says more than some people might really think about it uh, on its surface, but just just the idea that 
it's you know Loki and the file being stamped there. That to me cues us in that we're going to be continuing the TVA and we're going to be continuing that kind of setting, but mm-hmm. we're just going to seeing it from a different perspective, a different version of it. And I think that's really cool. And I also think it's really cool how the timeline instantly changes because that's essentially what would happen. It's almost like when they talk about AI, when AI takes over, it's going to be able to evolve so fast that it'll be able to like evolve itself. And then mm-hmm. things, there's like a tipping point that they, uh, Ultron. they refer to. <laughs> and with, with time travel, it's kind of the same thing. Whereas like once you have the, a time travel being that's creating multiple timelines, like that's almost like instantaneously going to create all these branches uh, because they're just jumping around to different points in the timeline in the future and the past and creating, and then that's going to be reflected in like quote unquote real time for Loki as like this instantaneous thing, or almost like like how you described it as back to the future. Like he went back to his reality, but it had just instantly been fundamentally changed by this like butterfly effect. Um, so I think that that's, that's really cool. Um, I probably said really cool many, many, me too. I was gonna say, which is also a butterfly effect, that movie itself, which, you know what? I think it gets a lot more crap than it should. I, maybe it was because when I watched it, I actually think, I think I remember watching it like one of the, if not the first time or one of the first times I ever took shrooms (laughs) and I was like, (laughs) just had this unbelievable experience with like every time he would go crazy and go back in time and like do the, like get out of his brain. I was like, Oh my God. So I, yeah, maybe, (laughs) maybe it was something to do with that, but Hey, I'm I'm an Ashton fan. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I don't mind, but you, there are just all the different time travel shows, movies and stuff. Um, they get nods throughout this show. As just as we said and we repeated, it's opened up everything now with the multiverse. It's all on the table, every one, every storyline. We've got a new big bad that seems like he's 50 million times bigger and badder. Um, I actually read that they said some of the the character, uh, the characters, I think the character Kang um, was influenced a little bit by uh, the movie Seven um, also. Where he's just, you know playing different parts and just like absolutely batshit. Um, yeah, and being the um, like he said he paved the road to get him there. So like the implication to that is that like he wanted Sylvie to kill him. He, mm-hmm. he knew Sylvie would act in that way or strongly suspected it. And I guess he said as much. But the way he described it, it was that like he was fine with her, her killing or taking over. Like either one would have been fine. But I think the seven thing. Um, yeah, that kind of implies that what he really wanted was to was to get out of this mortal coil, you know. Some other big picture thoughts before we uh, we finish up here and we let TK uh, go. So Loki fell in love and made friends. Yeah. And keep in mind some of the things he said. Trusting in anyone but yourself is foolish. And so he did. And now he probably feels like a fool when that happened. Um, as... I watched the uh, the final scene between Loki and Sylvie. I couldn't help but think about their uh, love is a dagger conversation, you know, earlier mm-hmm. on. How it was like literally the dagger uh, for Loki that, you know, pushed him back in. And, and she, she, you know, she didn't kill him, but she like she pointed him with that love dagger so, so hard. Um that yeah. sounded bizarre. That sounded so weird when I just <laughs> said it. She pointed him with that love that. I was like hearing, I was like, that that was bizarre. But uh, 
I guess the one thing that a lot of us will uh, will complain about. But I am very confident, Tim, especially that we know there's going to be a season two. We will get our Mobius jet ski moment. We didn't get it yet, but we'll get it. Yeah. I'm, I think we will get it. Uh, yeah, they still have time to pay that off. I think that that was my favorite aspect of them saying <laughs> second season. Right. Is, and it was one of the first things I thought of was like, ah, they still have time to get Mobius on his jet ski. Like, it, <laughs> we're going to see him on his jet ski. I personally, I would love to to see a flashback and and see that he was, uh, his original incarnation was on a jet ski all along. Yeah. You know, that, that, that'd be nice to see. But yeah, he's got to end up on that jet ski too. So, oh yeah, I think we probably got to most uh, most things in one way, shape, or form um, throughout, and they, uh, yeah, they did such a fantastic job here again. All the praise in the world for this show, uh, all six episodes. There were so few things that I I didn't love and that I I, I thought were worthy of critiquing. And when you're when you're Introducing topics and theories that are this expansive, like it's so easy to make some mistakes or to not have everything, all the box boxes checked. But I mean, Feige's incredible, and between him and Favreau and the worlds that they've built from, from recently with Star Wars and with uh, and with the with Marvel, you can tell that they are they're they're fans. They they're not doing this for the money. They could do this. Mm-hmm. They could. They probably have as, what, what money they need. They could do whatever else and be fine. They enjoy having the responsibility of telling these stories. You know, you can tell he like they just take everything so seriously. They have so much fun messing with us and setting up the next thing and continuing the story all along. It's just we're in so much better hands right now with Marvel with MCU. The, the fact that we got. Black Panther. The fact that we got Black Widow movies that we we wouldn't have gotten a decade ago when other people were making some of the key decisions for Marvel or for Disney, you know, um, uh, for for Star Wars. So I I'm just as a fan of these worlds. I'm really excited where we uh, where we're heading moving forward. So true, and I think you're right, and you have a really good point there when you said they're not doing it for the money. I mean, obviously. There's hundreds and thousands of people working on these movies uh, for, for the checks. But the guys who are in charge of shepherding the stories and piecing them all together, you mentioned Kevin Feige, um, like that guy in particular has a love and appreciation and understanding uh, for these stories and these characters uh, that, that is very deep. And it goes well beyond just being a profession. Uh, so he's taken that very seriously and i think the a core group of people uh at marvel that are shepherding these stories do uh do take great care with it and it's uh and that's sort of the opposite of what we've seen with some of the executives or the and the people shepherding the movies on the other side on on, on, on dc where they've kind of been a rudderless ship in a lot of ways or maybe the guys uh in charge are being a little bit uh hamstrung too much by by the money guys up at the top uh, mm-hmm. who don't have a love or appreciation or understanding of the characters. But somehow we lucked out where Disney was by, for all intents and purposes, also a very, just a money hungry, you know, big yep. corporation monopoly thing, not necessarily 
a good thing always. Um, we've lucked out that they've hired the right people and put the right people in charge to kind of give fans what they want uh, for the most part and kind of really pay off the potential that exists with this library of characters. So I, I think we're, we're lucky that we got uh, an MCU that's as strong as it is right now. Uh, and I hope that they can keep it up and keep, keep doing that and keep expanding further and further because like we're in uncharted territories. Mm-hmm. We've, we've passed our own threshold in the storytelling yes. of like where we're now into this, like we're into multiverses and we're into like combining IP young Avengers and perhaps the Thunderbolts and these, these yeah. Untested waters. So uh, I hope that they can t- continue on this uh, tr- the, with the track record that they've had and, and that um, what they do will be as rewarding uh, to the fans as what they've done so far. Very lucky to be in a time and era where they have these opportunities with streaming services. You know, this is one thing that we talked about from the very beginning with WandaVision where who knows if any of these projects would have really been able to be movies. Who knows if they would have ever gotten behind them and and thought, you know what? I don't know if we can really tell that story. Is it going to be worth it? Are, are we going to make enough for what we're going to put into it? This and that. When you've got the the streaming services and when you know you just have a different way of creating content to where um, you can drop them once a week, you can drop them, you know, a, a bunch of shows uh, all at once and 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 make it bingeable, but. It just gives you much more freedom than the traditional old way of, oh, hey, this movie better make money or this show is going to be on network TV. It better be having incredible ratings or it's going to get canceled. There were a lot of projects in the Marvel years through the years that got thrown on TV or Netflix or something for a little bit, started, stopped, but didn't get the didn't they didn't get the um you know the kind of support that these shows have and if they would have they probably would have succeeded yeah yeah definitely um this is a new era for the MCU i mean this is the they've done like the netflix shows like you mentioned which had their, their fans and i think were really really strong yeah um uh and i think there are plans to fold that in uh, mm-hmm. i think they'll have a great opportunity to do so Fold those characters into the um, main MCU with you know what we've seen in Loki and this multiverse uh, stuff. So they'll be able to clarify that a little bit, uh, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, they've they've really done a, a good job like separating this and establishing that okay, th- this is like a new era for the MCU, and these are the like the official properties that we're we're launching that are officially canon um, and resetting expectations in a good way. Uh, to where we're now looking at a, a TV show for a lot of the things that we were getting from um, from films and not lowering our expectations and not uh, thinking of it as the separate uh, separate quality kind of product. Uh, but it's all cut from sort of the same cloth. And that got me thinking a little bit of like, could Loki have worked as a movie? Uh, and what... A, you know, WandaVision is very obviously something that had to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Falcon Soldier, I think, could have been a movie. Probably. I agree. That one of um, all three, it feels like it could have been the easiest as a movie, I think. And then Loki, I also think, could have been a really good movie as well. I don't think it's right or wrong that it, it did what it did as a TV show. I think it was a success, so it's got to be right in that sense. But I also think that they could have chosen to make this a movie and the story 
strong enough that they could have had classic Loki and this like into the Loki verse, the, the whole Elias thing. I think they really could have touched on almost everything from the series in a movie. And that's not a judgment or anything. I just thought that was um, something that, interesting uh, choice from them. Right. Like yeah, which, yeah. which ones they decide to go with as a movie and, and decide to go with as a TV show. And um, I uh, think if you have anything else that you want to uh, get to or, or wrap up with, feel free. But as uh, as we uh, sort of transition, the next thing that we will be talking about is one uh, movie that came out last week that is Black Widow. So I think we're going to record uh, that sometime in the next week or so when you and I have a few minutes to sit down. Because I don't want to rush it. And we already spent two hours on Loki. And we didn't. We don't need to go for five hours straight uh, this morning in a row when, when we're recording. But uh we, we can come back and talk Black Widow So just as like a little bit of a teaser Because I know you said you watched it in the uh, in the theater I've watched it a couple times now um, yeah. Give me like a, without spoiling it Give me some of your like uh, what you think about Black Widow And then uh, moving forward as we get ready to talk about that It's it's a little different And it's, it's mm-hmm. because it was supposed to have been A movie that came out a while ago And it tells us yeah. a story of somebody Who this isn't a spoiler I mean we already know she's going to die not in this movie, right. but we know that she's going to die. So it, we, it's, it's, it's sort of a unique, a, a tale that they have to tell from a, a unique way. Yeah, and I mean, uh, kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier about how the journey is more the point because we know the ending of her of her story. You know, she's she's dead by the end of it. But like, okay, why is her story important? That's kind of what's uh, being shown here, and it it also functions, you know, to to create. A new Black Widow. I'm, yep. I'm sorry, I'm spoiling something. No, 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 anybody. not at all. No. But you know, like they're they're planting seeds as well. Just like you mentioned earlier, every new property plants seeds for the next probably multiple properties. And so we get like a post-credit sequence that um, ties very much into uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, and also just on. You know, in terms of tone, in terms of the type of movie that we got, it's very much in that vein. It's 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 on in the same grounded, real yes. spy with like, like elevated tech and like some superhero elements and sci-fi elements, but it's very much supposed to be like a human on the ground. It's not you know, on stuff. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's that iron, it's the Iron Man kind of formula, mm-hmm. and it, it works to to reset and reground uh, the series, which. You know, like we're seeing in Loki has reached these, you know, incredibly fantastic um, uh, points in the story where we're, we're, we're doing things with with magic and multiverses and really high concept, the opposite of grounded uh, human street level kind of stories that Marvel is also very famous for. So it was cool to have kind of a story that kind of bridges that gap and is closer to the grounded story. Um, Cause we do, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like completely grounded. We get a fight that happens like, you know, from a falling like city in the sky or like yeah. a fortress in the sky. That's yeah. almost like a helicarrier that lasts like crazy long. And there's all these like over the top uh, moments, but the action uh, can also be very grounded <laughs> in, in, in the fighting style. I, thought that it, it was the best black widow fighting since iron man 2 and i really like the new characters david harbour stood out to me as oh being, my gosh uh, part of the the movie he's great and we're gonna we're gonna have to get some red guardian stuff moving forward uh of his yeah. own some series movie something he's already been been uh trying to uh to uh, push for it himself he would love that it was great um i, I had a lot of fun with it i'm sure there'll be things that we 
can, can, can critique And we will do that when we talk with Tim Kelly Next time uh, TK, we've got the Black Widow That we're going to discuss uh, The movie, following that August the 11th We've got the series What If Later this yeah. year, we're, we're going to have Hawkeye Where uh, I think a lot of what happened in Black Widow Will will be tied into Hawkeye for sure We're going to have Miss yeah. Marvel in late 2021 as a series And then we get into some of the movies coming out We've got uh, September 3rd, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings We've got The Eternals coming out at the end of the year uh, In November, we got Spider-Man Home uh, Spider-Man No Way Home in December And then uh, early next year, we've got uh, Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange That's in March Following that, we've got Thor, Love and Thunder I mean, we've got movies and TV shows now Every couple months, it is going to be nonstop. It is dense, yeah, it's great And I'm super excited about What If Especially now that uh, I think it's going to be more regarded as canon These What If stories Because of the Verse, we can look at it as these actually happen within the context of the greater MCU, yes. uh, the greater MCU multiverse. Uh, so they're not just what if stories. These are real stories that just happen in one of the branches from the main timeline. Tim Kelly, I've uh, been very lucky to have Tim help us out now with all three of these Disney Plus shows. It's crazy to think about. We've got all of them in the book. So if you're someone who didn't watch WandaVision or you didn't watch it all the way through or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when you go back and rewatch, toss on uh, the podcast that we have to help kind of get you through and help understand everything. We set you all the we set you all the way up through WandaVision, through Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and now through um, our, our finishing touches on Loki And uh, in just a few days we'll, uh, we'll Actually it'll be our first movie that we're doing We'll, uh, we'll be doing Black Widow And then as we you know, move forward with uh, All the current projects We'll, we'll start picking out times uh, Where we can go back in time and, and go through some of the old ones So eventually we'll have this big Marvel library TK Of all the Marvel media Content out there And um, even as much as I, I thank you for helping out and I, I know all of the listeners Really appreciate all the time that you put in Man I miss you you're my friend It's been great to just catch up with you again for the last little bit We worked together and I got to see you Like four or five days a week when we were working together For a while and we always hit it off but then You know people go different ways Start we don't work together you don't see each other As much and ah, it's been so nice to just catch up With you every week and know that I'm gonna, I'm gonna Get to hang out and spend a little time with you 100% man it's been a real Pleasure especially both of us being uh, fathers kind of I know right yeah time so we have that in common too and it's just been great to catch up with you and and uh and talk these shows man I, I I don't know if you remember back at TVG I was like half of what I did there on the job <laughs> yep. is we would talk yeah um we would just break down stuff you remember Ray Ray Baden the uh editor extraordinaire that uh, was my morning rituals I would go and, and hang with him and, and we would break down the TV we watched that week uh, and and up up in the tape library, you and I uh, just chatting about that stuff left and right. So it just feels like a continuation of that, and uh, it's pretty cool to share it with the listeners. It is, it is. Uh, shout out to Ray and Tim, our uh, our editors over there, who used to hear us uh, talk and talk and talk. Uh, TK, Tim Kelly, thank you so much, buddy. And uh, uh, we'll be back in uh, in a couple days to uh, to chat some Black Widow. All right, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. For everyone out there, uh, you'll know what I, what we mean in a few days when you hear "Bye, bye, Miss American, bye." Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Make sure to give Tim a follow 
uh, on social media at Tim is not funny on Twitter and on Instagram and anywhere you download your music, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Make sure to check out Ice Cream Fire, the project there. TK, buddy, uh, have a nice rest of your day. Talk soon. Thanks so much. You too. Do not go anywhere, folks. Uh, it's sad, mixed, mixed emotions, right? We finish up with Loki, but don't worry, we got Black Widow coming up soon. Still more here on That's What G Said. <laughs>